Well, I know he smiles when he, he's watching and enjoying Kingsway worshiping people, just singing from their heart, loving him passionately. And it's, uh, it's, it's family get-together today. That's, that's what church really is. It's where the family of God meets in a house together and hangs out. And we meet in this place because your house isn't big enough. So that's why we're, that's why we're here, but just enjoying the, um, the time, uh, time together, but just to encourage one another. And we've been talking about something for the last couple of weeks. We started a series two weeks ago called What Do You See? And we had the mirror. Remember, we were talking, for those of you who weren't, weren't around, we were telling you to take a look in the mirror and, and tell, you know, tell me what you see. And uh, realizing we showed a clip, I don't worry, we're not going to show it today, but uh, it's from Cool Runnings, where he, they look in the mirror and the one guy says, you know, what do I see? Well, I see, you know, I just see Junior. And uh, the other guy tells him, hey, you know what? This is what I see. I see pride and I see power and I see a couple bad words and I see, you know, whatever else. So, but that's what I see. And uh, he said, but it doesn't matter what I see. It matters what you see. And we've been talking about Christians who, who um, they, they've accepted Christ. They're serving God. They're going to heaven someday. But on this planet, their lives are just miserable because they don't know who they are. They keep getting beat up by life instead of having, ha- instead of reigning in life. Instead of realizing that you're a child of, of a king, you, you end up just sort of living life uh, with whatever happens. Circumstances happen in your life. And, and the thing that, you know, whatever you're going through, I heard someone say this week, whatever you're going through, just realize that you're going through. You're going to come out to the other side if you just realize that that's, that's where it is. He'll take you through. But so often we just let that thing just nail us and hit us and, and our, 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 our troubles and, and struggles take us out. We talked about that lion cub who was raised by the poodle. I remind you of that. Even though the parents were, you know, the parent was a poodle that uh, was raised in this lion cub, it was a lion. It could eat the poodle. It could do, it, and when it realized that it's a lion, it didn't live like a poodle anymore. And some, some of the same things we want to try and just show you who you really are in Christ. So once you realize, hey, this is who I really am. I like what Mel shared. It's all of a sudden when it, real life happens that it hits you and like, wait a second. I'm not, I'm not dying in this snowstorm. That's when, you know, God's word says this about me and this is who I am and this is what it's going to be like. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, snowstorm, snowstorm didn't change. What changed? She realized who she was. And uh, that's why we're doing the 25-day challenge. I want you to, to if, you, if you, you can start it at any time, um, you can do it twice if you want to. You can do whatever. But to take the verses, the, taking one a day, just reading and saying, okay, this is who God says that I am. A lot of times we try and uh, achieve significance. We try and uh, do things that are going to make us feel significant, but it doesn't happen that way. It just is simply received by, be- by being believed. Whatever you see in here, if you'll believe it for your life, it will affect your life in a, in a, in a major, major way. We've been talking about having y- your roots. Where are your roots um, grounded in life? Are they stuck in, in different issues or are they stuck in, in different things? Let's say like your appearance. You know, is it all about your appearance? If you don't have everything perfectly together, you're not leaving your house. You know, you're not answering your door. Nobody's going to see you at, you know, unless you're at your best. Like Daryl. I mean, he had took, took him an hour to get that hair ready this morning. You know, it's, he had to be perfect. You know, some people though, they get, that, they get stuck in that and they, they feel like their looks is what values them. Well, as you get older your value is going to decrease. I hate to tell you. <laughs> if, if it's in looks, you're in trouble. So don't have it in there. Get it out of there. Get it out of what other people think about you, what their opinions of you. Like they said, you know, everyone else's opinion of you is none of your business. It's one of those things of realizing that, 
you know what? What other people think of me doesn't determine who I am. They can think whatever they want to think. They, they, they don't understand that I'm a, I'm a king's kid. Don't let your job, your occupation, define you. Maybe you make six bucks an hour. doesn't mean you're worth six bucks an hour. You're the child of a king. So even and if, you're, if your roots are in that, if that's where you get all your, you know, your satisfaction, all you'll do is become a workaholic and try and earn more and more money until you feel like I'm finally worth 100 bucks an hour. And then all you'll be able to think about is, I wish I was worth 101. And, you, and you'll keep striving. And you know what? You'll blow up everything else in your life seeking that. you lose your family. You'll lose your kids. probably won't get married. And if you do, it won't last long because your significance is being tied up in something. You can't give love to somebody if you're trying to get it from, from uh, where you work. For some, it's, it's your lack of ability. We saw last week the guy with no arms, no legs, no limits. Nick, you know, being able to just share his story, born without legs, born without arms, and some of us are complaining more about what we can't do. But God can do amazing things through us if we realize that that's, that's where it comes from. So we were talking about a couple verses. One's in Ephesians. Uh, well, first one's in Colossians. It says, let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. He's saying, let your roots grow down into Christ. Let, let what your life is based on, uh, foundation of it, what is grounded on, is in Jesus Christ. And in Ephesians it says, may your roots go deep down into his love. That it would be a sense of knowing that you're loved, that you just live life. You can love your spouse because you're unconditionally loved. Not because they're perfect. Not because they got it all together. Not because they clean up after themselves, you know, or whatever. But just because you're loved. You got so much love from God on the inside of you, it's just easy to share it with somebody. If you have it any other way, some of you are trying to find your significance in your spouse. You think, you know, well, it's a good thing Beth doesn't have that because there's days where I say things up here or things that, I mean, she gets embarrassed and it's like, oh man, you know, that guy, what's, what's he going to say next time? But if her worth was in it, it'd be like, I say something stupid and she's, she's going to be in major trouble. But she realizes who she is. She knows who she is as a, as a person. We talked about that last week too with, with whatever your job or your occupation might be. There's no B jobs out there. You're, you're a human being, not a human doing. And there's all kinds of that stuff. It's two other messages that are on CD. You can get them if you'd like. Um, but today I, I want to save the biggest one for last. And last night as I'm, as, I'm, as I'm driving home in the snowstorm, I'm like, just doesn't that just like figure? You know, the, the most important one, the one that I want people to hear the most it's going to be a snowstorm, <laughs> you know. It's just going to be me and Grant, you know, and I know he needs it, but, I mean, I was hoping that everybody else was going to be there too, right? So I'm glad this morning that you're here. This is something that I say when I, when I started this series on what do you see, this was the reason why I started it, was for this point this morning, and I hope to just be able to, to share it quickly, concisely, or whatever, but this is one that just gets me, and I see it so often. It used to be like this myself. And uh, it's getting significance or it's having our roots in uh, probably what most of us would consider the right thing to be in. It said, you know, when we saw the verses, have your roots in Christ, have your roots in His love. And somehow, I, I think the enemy's so crafty that the best lies look the most like the truth. That in that, there's a place where Satan tries to get you to second guess everything that God says about you. He started in the garden with Eve. He, he, he tried to tell her, you know, when God said, uh, you know, hey, here's the garden. You guys live. You guys be the kings of this planet. And all of a sudden, Satan comes up to her and he says, 
did God really say, did God really say that you can't eat from every tree in the garden? And God had said they could eat from every tree in the garden except one. So she's like, well, no, God, God didn't really say we can't eat from, you know, every tree. Of course we can eat from every tree, just not this tree. And, and then Satan's like, so what's going to happen if you eat from that tree? Oh, we're going to die. And so then he's like, you know what, you're, you're not really going to die. What God said is not really true. This is what's going to happen. You eat from that tree, you're going to finally be like God. And, tr- and right away starts challenging who she really is. She's, last week we learned, she was already like God. God made her just like you, in his image. She was already like him. But she believes the lie that says, you know, then you'll be like God. Because right now, you're just not good enough the way you are. You're not, you're not good enough. You've got to have that, that fruit. Did God really stay? And so she begins to doubt it. Well, we all know that Eve, like we said last week, was probably blonde, went and goes and says, you know what, I'll... I'll uh, <laughs> I will go... Not, not like the smart blondes. We're talking about, you know what I mean. So she, she takes, but she takes the fruit. But how many of us think, man, if I could only go back there, I wouldn't have done it. <laughs> you know, if it was me, I wouldn't. But you know what? We all know that in every situation like that, it, it was going to go this way, that, that she ends up taking the fruit and, and causing the rest of mankind as we know it goes through something with, with lives that are full of sin. Started in sin, everything happens that way. And Satan knows. I mean, he got, he got Adam and Eve, no problem. Adam was in on it. It's not just Eve's fault. Um, they go through this whole, this whole thing, and every one of us is born into it now. But he doesn't change his tactics at all. When Jesus ends up coming on the planet, says that Jesus goes out in the desert, and what does Satan do to him in the desert? Again, he starts, he starts asking Jesus. He says to Jesus, if you're God's son, what's he challenging? His identity. He's challenging who he is. Jesus, do you know that you're a lion or do you maybe think you're a poodle? Can I get you to think that maybe you've got no strength, you don't know who you are, you're weak, I'm going to get you right now. And he says, you know, if you're God's son, I know you're really hungry, you, just haven't, you haven't eaten for 40 days, why don't you turn these stones into bread? And Jesus right away says, you know what? It, uh, man doesn't live by bread alone. I'm not going to die if I have to go one more day without food. He says, I know who I am. I don't have to prove to you that I'm the son of God. I know who I am. And he, he conquers the enemy in that, in that situation. Well, then it says the second time, Satan tries it again. And, and he's crafty. He starts using Scripture against the God who wrote the Scripture. He starts saying, if you're God's son, why don't you throw yourself off a building because the Bible says that the angels will catch you. I'm like, isn't that just the way it is? That Satan will use stuff from this book to make us believe certain things? And because of, that we see them in this book, we think, oh, that must be true. And we don't realize that he twists them a little bit. He takes everything that's good and twists it a little bit so that, and, and, and it ends up destroying everything uh, as a result. But he says, you know, if you're going to do that, you know, they'll catch you. And then he starts saying, you know what? I'll give you all the kingdoms of this world if you'll just worship me. And, and you think, well, how could Satan give all the kingdoms of the world to God? Because he owns all the kingdoms on this planet. These are his man gave it to him that time in the garden. He says, well, I'll give it back to you if you worship me. Thinking if Jesus is going to fall for something like that. But no, he knows who he is. Jesus knows who he is and says, you know what? Get behind me, Satan. Get out of here. I have nothing to do with you. And Satan gives up. The thing is that he still tries the same tactics today. 
He comes into your mind, and it's not probably Satan himself. I don't think we're quite that important for him. He sends one of his little you know, enemies, but they're all around your life. Don't doubt the fact that behind everything you see is a world that's much more real that you don't see. Things that go through your, through your mind, thoughts that, be, are, that get put there, saying, you know, are you really that person? You know, Mark says that you're a child of God, but do I really see that? Do you really think that? And he begins to accuse and he begins to start doing things in our life. And you know what happens? He tries to convince Christians, believers, children of God, that they've got to earn a gift that was given to them for free. He tries to convince us to go back to the way it was before Jesus and try and, make, and earn this relationship that we have with him. And we start to think that Christianity is about morals. And we think that Christianity is about rules. And that Christianity is more about the actions that we do than anything else. And that's what we end up focusing on. But I want to show you this morning what, what we really were designed for and why Jesus really came. See, because a lot of times, let's, let's, let's get it. Um, we'll call this person Mo. Is there anybody here named Mo? Okay, good. Because this story is not going to be flattering. But Mo, Mo, let's just picture a guy. Mo is just like everybody else here. They, he, Mo, up one day, he's got his life completely messed up. You know, he's, he's grown up, uh, whatever he's... He's, he's got alcohol problems. He's got drug addictions. His wife and him are at the very edge of, you know, uh, separating. Their marriage is on the rocks. His kids and him, there's no respect. There's no nothing. He's stealing from work. He's whatever. He's just a bad dude. And all of a sudden, Mo comes to Kingsway. And he hears about the fact that there's a God who loves him just the way he is. And he's like, God can't love me just the way I am. And, and we say, no, the truth is God loves you just the way you are. So then Mo's like, really? I don't have to change anything about me to accept a free gift of salvation. I can believe that what Jesus did on the cross is enough. And so he's like, wow, okay, okay, I'll, ch- I'll do this. I'll believe. And what happens? Like so many of us know, as soon as you receive that free gift of salvation, it's like happy juice on the inside. It's like... Every, it's like people describe it like a weight feels lifted off my shoulders. I feel like I'm alive on the inside. I, I, God loves me. This is fantastic. And then, and it is, it is fantastic. And then Mo goes back home the next day. And what happens to Mo? All of a sudden, he wakes up, steps in cat vomit, and drops the F-bomb. And all of a sudden, it's like, <gasps> the enemy starts sneaking in again. It's like, yeah, Mo. <laughs> let's look at you. You wake up late. You drop the F-bomb. You know what? You're probably going to go to work and steal. You know what? Nothing changed. You're still the same. You're still, and he starts to put the guilt and bring the condemnation on. Was anything different? No, because Mo was not changed. He was sitting here with having that sense of freedom because of what Jesus did. But the very next day, he goes back, and all of a sudden, it's all about again now what Mo's going to do. And a lot of times we have that that we think, we don't realize that God, when he gives you a free gift of salvation and begins to work in your life, like Mal said, he ain't finished with you yet. That it's not done the next day. That he's still going to be working things out in your life over time. And what ends up happening to us is we start getting focused on the working of what's happening and we forget that it was about a relationship is, is the reason of why he came to save us in the first place. He wants to have relationship with us. And we begin to focus on the things instead of what God doesn't like. 
and we think it's because it's in the Word or because Christians in, our, in the church, they start telling us things like that. Oh man, you're a Christian now. You've got to change all that stuff. You've got you to you get that stuff changed. And so they, you know, they begin to focus on it from the, from the outside. And uh, it's, it's, um, it's one of those things where they end up finding that we've seen it so many times where people, they come to Christ. They receive a free gift of salvation. God starts working their life and things are happening. And then all of a sudden they mess up or they feel like they don't belong anymore. And I know that there's people who are not here today because they're at home thinking they've got to get their lives straightened out before they can come back. They've seen things in their life that think, you know, I've got to get this stuff fixed before I, before I can come back. I can't talk to God because I just feel so guilty. Every time I go to Him, He's reminding me of all the bad stuff I've got to change. And they realize that they keep thinking that He's the one trying to put guilt and condemnation on their lives to get them to change. But guilt and condemnation doesn't change anything. And, and you know what's the enemy that, that if, you're, if you're sitting here today and you have guilt, if you're a believer first, if you're not a believer, it's different for you. But if you're a believer and you've got this guilt and you walk around under this heaviness of, of guilt and condemnation, I want to tell you it's not God doing that to you. It's not God doing that to you. That's not how he works out change in your life. And you think, Mark, that doesn't sound right to me. I thought that's what we Christians were supposed to do. We were supposed to be perfect. We were supposed to be becoming better. It's true, but it's not that way. See, focus, what we focus on, a lot of times we think, you know, if we do good things, that equals a better relationship with God. But it's the other way around. It's if we focus on relationship with God, we'll begin to do good things. And, and it's, when you hear the thought, it sounds exactly right. And here it sounds good, and yet it's so, see it so often where the enemy gets us to focus on the things that are bad. You know what happens when you focus on something? It becomes bigger. Ever seen a microscope? You focus on something in there, it all of a sudden becomes bigger. You ever have a cold sore, and you think it's like this big? And really it's, it's time, but because it's all you can see. You know, the Bible talks about the, the Ten Commandments, the law of God. And that's perfect. We want people to keep the law. We like it that they're not like going 150 down this road where, you know, we're trying to pull out or where there's, there's things where in our lives. We like it that, that there's laws that govern our, our country and that the law of God is good. It helps keep things in, in perspective and keeps things right. But the law has no power to change you. That's like taking the mirror and saying, you know what? I'm going to look into the law of God. I'm going to say, oh, you know, there's, I'm looking into, into God's word and it shows me all the things that are wrong with me. So it's like looking in the mirror in the morning like, uh-oh, there's a little zit on the end of my nose. What do I do with that? You know, and then we take, the, we take the law and we try and fix it. <laughs> you know, some of you got that big mirror at home that makes it just really huge. And you, 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 you know, how many of you know that it's not going to fix it? <laughs> and Jesus is the foundation. Bless God, you know. <laughs> foundation. But we know that the law has no power in itself to fix us. So if we focus on trying to keep laws and keep rules and we focus there, we miss something so important and that is just the simple, sweet relationship that we can have with God because of Jesus. And if we don't get that, we'll treat people that come into this place exactly like what happens with Mo. We'll look at them as like, oh, they must not really be saved because they haven't got it all together yet. It's been two weeks. the same stupid lies of all the other things we talked about just in spiritual wrapping paper 
you know what happens on this side? It goes both ways. Sometimes it's people who feel so guilty. Others, it's the other side of the coin where they feel like they're so good. They're focusing so much on the spiritual things in life that they think that that's what's going to impress God. And they got their roots so deep into what is still just dead religion. It's still just this thing of, of thinking that God's going to be impressed by our actions, the things that we do. It's, you know, th- these kind of people sometimes they think, you know, they're, they're doing so well. And they can worship God on a Sunday because they feel like they've done so well this week. And when they screw up, they beat themselves up big time because they didn't do very well this week. And they're trying to get back to that line of where they're going to be good again. These are the kind of people that they pursue things like ministry. They want to have the job here at Kingsway because then they feel like they're doing something spiritual for work. There's no difference between your spiritual life and your real life. If you think those two are different, you will live a spiritual life on Sunday and your real life here, and that real life is going to suck. It's when we realize that, there's, that we are God's kids. So wherever we are, He is. That whatever thing, anything I do, it's spiritual because I'm spiritual. It's whatever, wherever we are, I'm a minister because He's called me to be a minister. I don't need a title to have that. That's why I don't require anybody to call me pastor because there's nothing in that. And there's some that will seek that out and they want that so bad. And so the worst thing we could ever do is to give that to you because your roots will be in it. And, and, and he says, I just want your roots to be in relationship with me. Not seeking any of these things over and above just him. Just people having a real relationship with God and as he's bringing things around in your life, guess how God encourages or uh, challenges you to change? He'll encourage things in your life to change. He'll encourage it, but not, it won't be with guilt and condemnation. You know, the Pharisees were so much like this. They knew everything about God. They knew this book better than, than they knew this book better than, than anybody else that day. The disciples, they didn't know this book like the, the Pharisees did, and yet Jesus had such a hard time with them. It's why Apostle Paul, the guy who wrote like most of the New Testament, it was, it was his life that got changed. He was so passionate about about doing something for God, killing Christians for God. I mean, it, it's crazy. Because he's so passionate about that. Passionately wrong. And God caught him one day on, a, on the road to Damascus and said, hey, hey, this isn't the way it's about. it's about. It's about relationship with me. It would be like me with my dad. It'd be like me knowing, you know, my dad's name, know his middle name, know his last name, know what kids used to call him when he was a kid, know where every tool belongs in his van, know exactly, you know, how many... Um, uh, children, he has other kids, knowing all this stuff about him and never talking to dad. And a lot of times that's, that's the way it is for us as, uh, as believers. We can get so caught up in all the stuff surrounding it, hanging out with the family, knowing all God's kids, knowing some of the stuff that's in the book and not knowing him. And he said, that's the reason I came. Turn, uh, well, I'm going to give you a bunch of quick ones. There's never enough time. Just never enough time. Let me give you a bunch. Jot them down if you want to take them home. John, because some of you are like, I don't know, I don't know about this. I don't know what this guy's saying. It's a good thing it's just not me saying it. John chapter 3. Anybody ever heard of John chapter 3, verse 16? John chapter 3, 16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. You know, and that's where we always stop. But after verse 16 comes verse 17. It says this, For God sent His Son into the world not to judge the world. What? what? He sent His Son not to judge the world, but to save the world through Him. 
So important, those words, through him. Everything we've been talking about with the 25-day challenge is talking about who we are in him. It says in verse 18, there is no judgment against anyone who believes in him. And yet there's Christians who feel judged, condemned, guilted all the time. He said there is no judgment against anyone who believes in him, but anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged. And it's talking about one thing here. Jesus is saying the only thing that matters is whether you believe in me or not. It's not about all the actions that you're doing or not doing. It's do you believe in me or not? Have you received the free gift of salvation or not? John chapter 16. A lot of times we think, hey, you know when the Holy Spirit comes, we read this verse that talks about there in John chapter 16 where it talks about what God's doing in the believer's life. And it says, you know what, how come I feel this kind of stuff? John chapter 16 and verse 8, it says this. Or in verse yeah, Jesus says in verse 5, hey, when I go away, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And when he comes, in verse 8, it says, he will convict the world of its sin. And some of you are like, see, I knew it. He's going to convict me of sin because that's what this, my relationship with God feels like all the time. All I feel like is convicted of sin all the time. God's working on me. Of course he's not finished, and I feel so terrible about it. But he says, it's not what it's about. He says he will convict the world of sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. But that's not on Christians, because it, it says this in verse 9. The world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me. Holy Spirit's job on this planet is two things. If you're not a believer, he's working and con- convicting you of the sin of not believing in Jesus. He wants relationship with you. That's why you feel these things of the emptiness inside and wondering, is there more to life than this? And what's my purpose? He's convicting and convincing and drawing on your heart to say, hey, I got a free gift of salvation for you. But then it says once you've received that, it says his job then is to convince the, the believers that righteousness is available because I go to the Father and you will see me no more. And it says judgment will come because the ruler of this world has already been judged. He's not talking about the judgment on you. And, and there's so many things in the, it, that we see, whether it's just by, by churches or whatever it is, that it's about this judgment, it's about these things, things on sin. And so, you know what? I'm not saying that it's okay to just go out and sin like crazy because sin, the wages of sin, is still death. It will still destroy your soul. You, you, you do things out, you know, whatever you want to talk about. You think that, that you can still steal because God forgives you? That's great. But do you know who you stole from? They're not forgiving you. You know, you want to cheat on your wife? God will forgive you. But your wife, she sure won't. You, you, can, you can think that... See, a lot of times what ends up happening is people mess up and they pull away from God, the only one who can help them and get things fixed and restored. And they want to try and do it on their own. And it says we frustrate the grace of God when we try and do it on our own. The rich young ruler in the Bible, he kept all the commandments. And Jesus said, it's not enough. You've got to come follow me. I want it to be about you and me. And I don't ever want it to be that, and it happens to me all the time, that, I, that he'll try and get my focus onto what I'm doing as opposed to who I'm with. And if it can happen to me, I know it can happen to you. And some of you are like, you know what, I, I, yeah, I don't know yet. Romans chapter 5, I want to end with this. Romans chapter 5, verse 18. It says this, going all the way back to Adam. When Adam sinned, sin entered the world. And Adam's sin brought death, and so death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. Then he goes on to say, yes, people sinned before the law was given. 
but it was not counted as sin because there was not yet any law to break. And then as it goes down, if you can just look in verse 18, it says, yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone. See, the reason, maybe you just ask yourself this question, what makes a person a sinner? What makes a person a sinner? Most of us right away want to say, because they sin. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible doesn't say that anyone's a sinner because they sin. They say you're a sinner because of what Adam did. It's a classification. You, the, the, the classification is that you're a sinner because every one of us is born into this classification. And then when we believe in Jesus Christ, we move from this classification to this one, which says saint. So when the Bible says you're a saint, it's not based on your behavior or anything that you've done. It's not based on whether you were really saintly today. It's not based on the fact that, that you know, you didn't sin too much today. It's based on the fact of what Jesus did in between. And only that. Some of us feel like saints when we feel like we've done a really good job. And we feel like terrible, rotten sinners when we feel like we've done terrible, rotten things. And it's a vicious cycle until we realize that because of what He did, we are a saint. We're no longer a sinner. We're not a sinner saved by grace. We're not a sinner anymore. He's changed us and says that we are righteous he, because we are the righteousness of God in Him. The key to it is, is staying in Him. Staying with that relationship in Him. We're going to take communion this morning. And with this, it's talking about that very thing. He says, you know, I'm in you, you're in me. These symbols of taking something into yourself and realizing that it's a part of me and I'm a part of Him. In Him is everything. Oh yeah, I forgot. I got a couple quick pictures. For those of you who are pictures, let me show it to you one more time. Maybe we can have a couple of our ushers come up to the front and grab the, uh, just to get ready to send this out. Let me tell you what a lot of times we look at is, we draw a line. And we look at that line as salvation or good enough with God. That we've, we've figured, we've got, we've got it figured out, we're good enough with God. And for a lot of us, this is what our life looks like. The second, the second image, it shows this. That salvation, you know, it's, that red line sort of like our life. We accept salvation and we're good with God. We accept a free gift. But then the very next day, like Mo, sort of screw up and sin. And then, no, stay on the first. The very next day, we screw up and sort of fall underneath. And we think, you know, God must be, just wait, hold on. Just, they fall, just hold on. They fall underneath there, right? And so it's, I don't know, it's thinking they can stand for a bit. But then it's, you, you fall under, and then you work really hard to try and get rid of all those guilty feelings. And so you kind of, climb your way back up and just about when you feel like you've got it together again you do something else dumb and boom you fall down again and the enemy convicts and convicts and convicts and then all of a sudden on wednesday you do your devotions <gasps> i did my 25 day challenge for one day and whoop, you're up here ah, you know look at me next day boom knocked down again but you remember to pray so you're back up again and then all of a sudden it's like oh man cussed out my wife and my kids, boom, down, you know, and that's like, I'm, I'm working my way back up, and then, oh, doesn't somebody cut me off, and the bird goes out the window, and it's like, boom, down again, and then it's Sunday, and it's like, oh, oh, God, how do I worship you, and then it's like, oh, yeah, it's Jesus, oh, good, and we're back up again, and we think that salvation is dependent on how we, and the enemy will tell you that, He'll tell you you're not a Christian. He'll tell you you're not a believer. He'll tell you all these kind of things. It didn't work. The prayer didn't work. None of it worked. And it makes it look like that. And you think, you know, one day you're in the family and the next day you're out. 
If we would believe that it's like the second one here, the next picture, without Christ, without believing in Him, our lives look like this. No matter how many good things we do, they're never enough. How many bad things we do, it doesn't matter. You're under the line anyways. Everything you do is under the line. The Bible says that all of our righteousness, the self-righteousness of trying to do it on our own, is like filthy rags. The biblical definition for filthy rags is the menstrual rags. I know. All our self, all our self-righteousness. Somebody just had a revelation over there. All of our, all of our self-righteousness, is the dirtiest stuff to him. It does not count. In actuality, the last slide is in Christ. If we will stay in Christ and realize this is who we are in Him, all those actions, no matter what they are, they are above that line because it's the cross that keeps you there. You might feel like you're at the lowest of low and the enemy will pile on and say it's all you and all the bad stuff you've been doing. Trying to guilt you for one reason alone. So you turn your back on the one who gave you life. And you'll draw away from him. And he's saying, you know what? I got you covered. I got you covered. Come spend time with me. Let's be friends. Let's have this relationship that I gave my life for. I don't want it as Kingsway that we become a church where we forget that. That it's about people who have a real relationship with God. Real relationship with a real God who really loves you. This morning I hope that I've exposed the enemy's, the enemy's lie because the truth is this. There is not one thing, once you believe in Jesus, there's not one thing you can do that's going to make God love you more. And there is not one thing you can do that's going to make Him love you less. And if you'll believe that love of Christ, isn't that a fantastic thing to offer our world? Church, judgment, and all the other stuff is a sucky thing to offer our world. But when you get that, man, it's just amazing from there. Now the uh, fellas just pass out the emblems.